Martin Lloyd-Jones, late pastor and author, said this, we have no right to live as we choose and as we please. We were once prisoners of Satan. We are now prisoners of Jesus Christ. We should have no desire save to please him. We were once dead in our sins and transgressions. We were once separated from God because of our sin against God. We were once helpless and hopeless without God in this world. Now we have been saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Now we are new creations in Jesus. Now we live for Jesus. As Paul told us in Galatians chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ. Now I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As followers of Jesus, our greatest desire should be to please Jesus in everything we do and say every day. Our greatest desire should be to please Jesus Christ in all we do and all we say. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. We are going to continue listening to God teach us and challenge us about living on purpose for Jesus. God's going to speak to us by his Holy Spirit in us about living on purpose for Jesus. Jesus gave us our purpose in this fantastic, familiar, foundational passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 4. This scene unfolded in Matthew chapter 4 uh, in the area of northern Israel, the area around Galilee, at the start of the earthly ministry of Jesus, as Jesus was beginning his ministry here on earth that would ultimately take him to the cross, to the empty tomb, to the resurrection, and the ascension to heaven. And he is here at the beginning stages, and he's calling his disciples to follow after him. And so we looked at this passage last week. We'll continue exploring this passage this morning. In Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, Matthew wrote these words, As he, Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. We identified three points from this passage last Sunday. Let me give you these three points again real quickly. The first point is our purpose is to glorify God as witnesses for God. We're to glorify God as witnesses for God. As we point people to Jesus, as we tell others about Jesus, we bring glory, honor, and praise to Jesus. We are to let the light of Jesus in us shine brightly through us so those who are trapped in the darkness of sin around us can see Jesus, can learn about Jesus, and be encouraged to enter a relationship with Jesus. Our purpose is to glorify God as witnesses for God. The second point we identified is that we glorify God as witnesses for God by the power of God. 
We cannot do anything for God apart from God. We cannot do anything for God apart from God. Jesus told us, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And I think we can all say amen to that this morning. A common mistake we make as followers of Jesus Christ is thinking we can fulfill God's purpose in our power. Here's how it works. We get up each day and we fail to spend time with God in his word and in prayer And we charge off into our day thinking that our wisdom, our power, our spiritual maturity will be enough to enable us to live God's way, love God's way, and to respond to our circumstances and to others God's way. We think we we got enough in and of ourselves to handle that throughout the day. And we quickly learn that that's not the case. Quickly learn that that's not the case. It's like the person who prayed one day, Lord, thank you so much for blessing me today. Thank you so much for strengthening me today. Thank you that, Father God, I have not been mean to anyone. I've not yelled at anyone. I've not done anything wrong to anyone today. But in just a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to need a whole lot more of your help. We understand and realize what, what we're saying here, I think. When we rely on our flesh, we get what our flesh can do. When we rely on the Spirit, we get what the Holy Spirit can do. The third point we talked about is our part in our purpose is to follow Jesus. Jesus commanded us, follow me. We're to follow Jesus. That means we're to come after him. We're to draw near to him every day, throughout each day. As we follow Jesus, we become more like Jesus. We live as Jesus lived, and we love as Jesus loved. As we follow Jesus... We're able to focus on Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm sure you probably have. As we follow Jesus, we aren't as easily distracted from Jesus as normal. Why? Because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we're a lot less likely to be distracted from Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we're able to focus on Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we're filled with joy. Why? Because we know and understand as we follow Jesus, he's with us every step of our way, every moment of the day. And that fills us with joy as we follow Jesus. We grow together as family in Jesus. As we follow Jesus... We love one another and encourage one another and care for one another and support one another the way God desires. So it's no surprise that Jesus said, follow me. Follow me today, throughout the day, every day. Now more than ever, we need to follow Jesus. We are living in challenging, trying times. The chaos of the world around us is increasing every day. We can clearly see, as followers of Jesus Christ, spiritual warfare is real. It's like in a big neon billboard sign flashing at us. Spiritual warfare is real. Satan, our enemy, let me repeat that. Satan, our enemy, 
relentlessly works to sever our commitment to God and one another, to sever our connection with God and one another, and to sever our love for God and one another. How do we know this? Well, God told us this in his word. One of Satan's main targets in his warfare against us is God's word. Satan knows God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. He knows he has no strength, no effect when it comes to the word of God. He knows God's word teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us in righteousness so that we will all be equipped to do all that God wants us to do when he wants us to do it. Satan knows that God uses his word to renew our minds, to transform us into the likeness of Jesus, and to teach us God's truth so that we will not only know God's truth and live God's truth, but so that we can share God's truth with those around us. Simply put, Satan does not want us to be a people of the book. He doesn't want us to be a people of this book. He will do whatever he can at any point in time that he can to keep us and get us out of this book. Satan is able to discourage us when we get out of this book. Satan is able to sow division and disunity in God's family when brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus get out of this book. When we get out of this book, we end up accusing one another and arguing with one another about things that are secondary to our purpose, which is to glorify God as witnesses for God. In the world around us that desperately needs to see Jesus, their only hope is in Jesus. God's plan for how this works is to use the church, his people, so they can see Jesus. And all the world sees is the people of Jesus fighting with one another. Accusing and arguing with one another. Why? We've gotten out of the book. When we get out of God's word, we live by fear, not by faith. And that fear runs through us like a Russian river. When we get out of God's word, we turn to man and man-made solutions for our needs rather than turning to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. When we get out of God's word, we forget God has told us, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people... No, you're my disciples. If you love one another, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on on the own understanding. Think about God in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. There's no wisdom, no insight, no counsel that will prevail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for battle, but the victory comes from the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible for us to, for us to please God because the one who draws near must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Minimizing God's word is not a new tactic of our enemy, Satan. Trying to eliminate God's word from our lives and our minds on a daily basis is not a new tactic of Satan. This is nothing new. When the pressure and persecution from the world increased against the believers in the first church in Jerusalem, they grew closer to God and one another. They grew in their faith in God, in their love for God, and in their love and support for one another. You don't know how they did that? One of the main ways they did that is because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. And they serve as a great example for us to follow today. As the pressure and persecution from the world increases against us, we, as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, must draw closer to God and closer to one another. We must grow in our faith in God, our love for God, and in our love and support for one another. And one of the main ways that will allow us to do this is as we devote ourselves to the study and teaching of God's Word. As we get in God's Word, God's Word gets in us and changes us. God, by His Holy Spirit, changes you and me as we get into His Word. Listen, we can't change ourselves. As much as I would like, and maybe as much as others would like me to change myself, I can't change myself. Almighty God is the one who changes me by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in me, in part through the word of God. We can't change others as much as we may want to change others. We can't change anybody. That's God's business. That's God's work. Listen, God is the only one who knows the heart, so God's the only one who can change the heart. He knows the heart. We don't. We don't know someone's heart. The scripture told us in 1 Samuel that we look at the outward appearance, but God, no, he looks at the heart. Since he looks, sees, and knows the heart, he's the one who changes the heart. And we got enough on our plate to get with God and allow him to change us. So as you get in God's word, there's all kinds of reminders for us from God's word that speak to us for such a time as this that we're living in. Three quick points from God's word. Three quick reminders. Number one, we are members of God's family by faith in Jesus. We are members of God's family by faith in Jesus. I want you to understand that there is no them or they in God's family. It's us and we. There's no them or they in God's family. It's us and we. Jesus himself said, by this, all people will know you are my disciples. By this, all people will know you are my followers. By this, all people will know you are my witnesses. What is the this? By the way in which you love one another. 
There should be nothing that keeps us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. There should be nothing that keeps us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Whether or not we like the Dallas Cowboys or not should not keep us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Whether we like the same restaurants and the same food should not keep us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. The color of our skin should not keep us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Our political views should not keep us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Nothing should keep us from loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We glorify God as witnesses for God by the power of God, in part by the way in which we love one another. Well, pastor, what about sin in a believer's life? That, what about that? Should that keep us from loving one another? Absolutely not. Scripture says, love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love forgives, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. Love never fails, never ends. Well, Pastor, what about if this person doesn't believe the same I think, uh, the way I believe? What if, what if I don't agree with what they're saying? What if I don't agree with what they're posting? No, that doesn't stop us from loving one another. Scripture says love is patient, love is kind. Love is not boastful, love is not rude, love is not self-seeking, love is not easily angered. Love does not rejoice in evil, love rejoices with the truth. Love does not keep a record of wrongs, love forgives. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. Love never fails, love never ends. You see, the truth is, the question we need to be asking ourselves each day is how am I doing loving my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus? Not how are my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus doing loving me? That's a question they need to handle. The question we need to ask ourselves is how am I doing loving my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus? I love what the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. He was referring to the agape love of God, which is a fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit produces in us as we depend on God, remain in God, trust in God, rely on God, and then that love goes through us to those around us. And as we follow Jesus, we're able to glorify God as witnesses for God by the power of God because as we follow Jesus, that fruit of the Spirit will be produced in us. It'll flow from us. And that first fruit of the Spirit that Paul listed that God wanted him to list was the fruit of love, that fruit of love. So we understand and realize as we look in this word, it's clear. We are members of God's family by faith in Jesus, second Quick point and reminder from God's word. Lawlessness, riots, terrorism, and violence is sin. Promoting and participating in lawlessness, riots, terrorism, and violence is sin. It's wrong. It's out of touch with the word of God and it's out of place in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. These type of actions should be condemned, not condoned. 
These type of actions should be repented of, not rejoiced in. These type of actions should be lamented over, not laughed at. These type of actions should be denounced, not defended. God's God of order, not disorder. Lawlessness, rioting, terrorism, violence, those are all works of the flesh. We're to be filled with the Spirit, and we know the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And so we understand as we walk in the Spirit, we will not give in to the sinful desires of our flesh because our flesh and our spirit are in opposition against one another. The third point, a reminder, it's real simple. We must pray. We must pray. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must pray. Praise God, he hears and answers our prayers. His eyes are on us and his ears are open to us, to our cries for help. And we need to cry out to the Father for help. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for President Trump. We need to pray for President-elect Biden. And we need to pray for all of our government officials who seek to fulfill their duty to govern us. We must pray for them. Remember, please remember, and I hope you hear me, I hope you understand my heart and know my heart when I say this, we are not Republicans or Democrats, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are followers of Jesus. Our identity is in Jesus. Our salvation is in Jesus. Our security is in Jesus. Our significance is in Jesus. Our eternity is with Jesus. Therefore, our allegiance must be to Jesus Christ. Our allegiance must be to him. We must pray for all of our law enforcement officers and officials and all of our first responders as they seek to protect us and fulfill their duties. We must pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus around the world. We must pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus around the world. According to the 2020 report from the persecution watchdog group, Open Doors, do you know in 2020 that there was a 60% increase in the number of Christians killed worldwide in 2020? A 60% increase in the number of Christians killed worldwide. Is there persecution here in our country? Yes. Is it to the point that our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus around the world are experiencing? Not yet. One of the main reasons, according to the report, for this increase was anti-Christian governments around the world successfully used the COVID-19 restrictions to increase the persecution against Christians around the globe. This news isn't surprising. This news isn't shocking. It should, it should not surprise us. 
as followers of Jesus Christ? Because we know and understand the world needs Jesus. People need Jesus. The world is defined biblically as those who are living in opposition to God and in rebellion against God, their beliefs, their values, and their ways. And God has spoken clearly to us in his word. Paul said Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. John said the whole world is under the sway, the influence of the evil one, Satan. Jesus said if the world persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. Jesus told us if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. John told us, dear friends, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Don't be surprised if the world hates us. John said, do not love anything in the world or the world itself. For anyone who loves the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The point that we see from Scripture over and over again is this. We are different in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're different in Christ Jesus. And the difference Jesus makes in us should be seen in our actions and heard in our words. Like great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, the Christian should be a striking likeness of Jesus Christ. The Christian should be a striking likeness of Jesus Christ. As we follow Jesus, we become more like Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we're able to point others to Jesus. And now is a great time for us to follow Jesus. Now is a great time for us to shine the light of Jesus that is in us as the world around us gets darker and darker and darker due to the sin that they are trapped in, that we were once trapped in, but God supernaturally rescued us out of the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So it's our opportunity, it's our privilege to shine the light of Christ to those that God places around us. So let's look at some ways in which we're able to follow Jesus. The first way we're able to follow Jesus is we follow Jesus by giving to Jesus. Following Jesus begins as we give our lives to Jesus by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we know faith is and always has been God's plan for entry into God's family. God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 confirms this truth. The disciples, as we see, gave themselves. They gave everything. They gave themselves to follow Jesus. The believers in the church in Jerusalem, the first church in Jerusalem, these believers, they grew, the church grew, and it spread throughout the world as it continues to spread today. As they, these people, these individuals, gave themselves to Jesus by their faith in Jesus. Acts chapter 2. Look real quick at Acts chapter 2. When you get to Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1 and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you want to do a little Bible drill, you can get there real quick. Acts chapter 2. We'll look at these passages real, real quickly here. Acts chapter 2. Beginning in verse 40, Peter's coming to the end of his sermon as he was preaching the sermon uh, right after Pentecost, and, and folks were drawing close to hear, and they were wanting to know how were they able to be saved. And uh, Peter and Luke records that uh, with many other words, 
Peter testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Be saved from this corrupt generation. That's kind of our message today is glorify God as witnesses for God. We're to tell others, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message, those who accepted, those who believed that Jesus is the only way to God, because that's exactly what Peter was preaching. Peter was preaching Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and exalted. Those who believed that Jesus Christ went to the cross in their place, paid the price for their sins, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for them. Those who believed that a relationship with God could come only through faith in God's Son, their Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who believed, they accepted the message. That means, accepted means they believed, they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then they were baptized in obedience to God's teaching. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Paul then continued in his teaching, and Paul told us about the believers in the Macedonian churches, those churches in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. In Philippians chapter 1, we see Paul was addressing these believers. And Paul said in verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in, every, in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. These believers in Philippi gave themselves to God by God's grace through their faith in Jesus. And then they began growing in their faith in Jesus. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul was talking about the believers in, first, in the church there in Thessalonica. He said, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, that word of God was that salvation was available for them by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus, that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. Paul and his team of ministers were preaching and teaching Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and exalted. That, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. They believed in this truth. They received God's gift of salvation by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. And then they began growing in their faith in Christ Jesus. And he said in chapter 1 that these believers in Thessalonica, they, came on, they became a model to believers everywhere in Macedonia and Achaia and throughout the Roman world because folks heard about how these believers in Thessalonica turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So we see that once we give ourselves to God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, we will be more willing, we will be more likely, we will rejoice in the opportunity we have then to give our time, talents, and treasures to God. It doesn't make sense for us to trust God with our lives, but not with our time, talents, and treasures. We give our time, talents, and treasures to God because our time, talents, and treasures are gifts to us from God. So we're to give them to him. So as we look at giving to Jesus, number one, we give our time to God. We give our time to God by seeking God first each day. We give our time to God by spending time reading God's word, studying God's word, meditating on God's word, memorizing God's word, obeying God's word, by spending time fellowshipping with one another in life teams or in discipleship groups. 
our one-on-one, by spending time ministering to one another and meeting one another's needs, by spending time praying with and for one another, by spending time worshiping God together as we're doing this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, by spending time telling others about Jesus, all those that are in our congregations that God has placed there so that we might share Jesus with them. God wants us to make the most of the time he's given us. As Paul reminded us in Ephesians that we're to live wisely, not unwisely, making the most of the time God gives us because the days are evil. Therefore, we need to understand what the Lord's will is so that we can do the Lord's will and we're able to do the Lord's will, Paul said, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're to give our time to God. Secondly, we give our talents to God. We give our talents to God by using the abilities that God has given us to point people to God and to bring glory to God's name. We are to use the spiritual gifts that God gives us to bring glory to God. All of our talents, all of our spiritual gifts are to be used for the same purpose, and that is to bless others, to build up the body of Christ, and to bring glory to God. To point people to Jesus. As Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 4, he said in verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, so he was saying to the believers, as every one of us has received a spiritual gift from God, and we have, then we're to use it to serve others, we're to bless others, to build up the church as good stewards of the very grace of God. He said, if anyone speaks, let him be with one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. Here it is, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. We're to use the time and talents God gives us to bless others, to build up the body of Christ, and to bring glory and honor and praise to God, to exalt God, to point others to God. And then we also are challenged to give our treasures to God. We give our time to God. We give our talents to God. We give our treasures to God by managing God's money that he gives to us God's way. Jesus told us where to give, and it will be given to us. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He commanded us to give, and he told us the way in which we give will be directly correlated into the way in which we receive from God. God wants us to give to him because God loves to give to us. All we are and all we have is from God. Yes, we go about working diligently. Yes, we go and get training. Yes, we go and get education. Yes, we hone in on what it is that we're able to do, which allows us to do work and to produce an income and allows us to be excellent in what we do. But it is God who is the one who gives us the air we breathe, the health we have, the skill and strength we have, the minds that we have to enable us to do all those things. And so we give generously to God because God gives generously to us. We give regularly to God because God gives regularly to us. We give cheerfully to God because God gives cheerfully to us. It is impossible for us to outgive God. Can't do it. Can't do it. And I want to just for a moment say thank you. I want to say thank you as my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus for your obedience to give to God 
through this, his church in 2020. 2020 was a very, very different year in more ways than we can ever express. One, last year was a very difficult year for many in our church family financially. Family members lost their jobs, took significant pay cuts. or even furloughed. Faced very challenging times. Some still facing those very challenging times. And yet, in an amazing way, much like we see Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. You continue to give yourselves first to God. And as you did, you continue to trust God and you're giving to God. And God continued to meet our needs and God continued to bless our commitment to give his way. As we look back over 2019, it was a strong year of giving in our church family. But then as we look to 2020, we were able to rejoice in realizing that we only decreased in our giving from 2019, which was a very strong year, in 2020 by only a very few percentage points. That's an amazing testimony to you, our church family, to your faithfulness, to your trust, to give yourselves to God, to give your time, your talents, and your treasures to God. And when we give God's way, we reap God's blessings. And even in the most difficult and trying times that we faced financially last year and continue to face in the present and looking to the future for many, we continue to see God's faithfulness at work among his people. And I rejoice in the Lord for his work in our church family. In the ways in which we have found new ways to give our time and talents and treasures to God in a way that allows us to continue glorifying God as witnesses for God by the power of God at work in us as we simply follow Jesus. See, as we give our time, talents, and treasures to God, we thank God for all of his blessings in our lives. As we give our time, talents, and treasures to God, we continue to trust God to meet our needs. As we give our time, talents, and treasures to God, we grow in our faith in Jesus. As we give our time, talents, and treasures to God, we're able to help one another through Jesus. As we give our time, talents, and treasures to God, we join God in his work of changing lives for eternity. God's the one, as we shared, who changes lives by his power at work through who? 
us, his people, surrendered to him. And so let me just encourage each one of us, as I encourage myself, when the days get difficult and the pressure begins to increase and the chaos and the desperation around us seems to be closing in closer and closer to us, we must continue to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ the author and perfecter of our faith, through the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. As we consider him who endured such opposition from sinful people, we will not grow weary. We will not lose heart. We will be reminded once again of the truth that we know, and that is simply that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are victors in Christ Jesus. Our God is a sovereign God. He is on his throne. He is not stressed out at all by what is going on around us. He knows what's best. He does what's best for us. There is nothing or no one who can separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. We understand and know God works together for all of us who love him. He works all things together for the good, our good. Those of us who love him who are called according to his purpose. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're able to follow Jesus today, step by step, knowing that as we do, he empowers us to glorify him as witnesses for him. He empowers us to love one another as he loves us, which is a shining example to all those around us who desperately need to know Jesus. It reminds you of that old hymn my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ my righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's follow Jesus. Let's give ourselves to him. Knowing that as we do, we'll be able to glorify him as his witnesses, by his power, at work in us for his honor, for his glory, for his name, for his fame. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this response, and the response is simple. Let's give ourselves to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. For some, that means for the very first time, by receiving God's gift of salvation, by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, and if that's you, whether you're streaming online or here in person, we'd love to introduce you to Jesus. We'd love to help you come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Give yourself to Jesus. He's already done the work. He paid your price. He went to the cross in your place. He died on the cross 
taking your sin upon him. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again on the third day. Victorious over sin and death for you and me. He's alive. He wants a relationship with us. Repent of your sins. Confess them to God and just simply cry out to God and ask Jesus to come into your life. He'll do it. He'll take over. He'll take charge. He'll change you from the inside out. Giving our lives to Jesus may mean just spending some time repenting of our sins. Maybe God's identified an area of unforgiveness. Maybe God's identified an area that he wants you to, to make a change in. Surrender that area to him. Whatever it is, he knows best. He does what's best for us. Surrender it to him. Maybe God's brought somebody to your attention that he wants you to go and minister to, to love, to encourage, to challenge. Maybe God's identified someone in your congregation that you're going to go work around this week. Maybe someone you live around, maybe someone you know, and he's challenging you once again to be that shining light, to shine brightly so that they can see Jesus in your life because God is the one at work in you, drawing them closer to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus, fresh and new today. What a joy it is for us as followers of Jesus to give ourselves to him each day throughout the day and surrender to him and trust in him knowing that he will lead us. Our pastors will be here. They'd love to encourage you to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray over you. If you have a need, care, concern that you want them to Lift up in prayer. They would love to do that. This is God's time. As we respond to him, our faith and trust in him, let's stand and let's say yes. To Jesus.